Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Near and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and this episode, we continue our discussion on Blizzard games with the Warcraft franchise. Uh, so, Brett, for me, Warcraft, uh, while I guess it's not, we were just looking it up, it's, it's not their first franchise, it was the first one that I was ever aware of. Is that true for you also? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that the Warcraft fan sh- bleh, franchise is uh, where I got my, my beginnings with Blizzard, for sure. Um, so obviously the first game is, is Warcraft and is it Orcs and Humans, is that right? Or Orcs versus Humans yes, or something? The, the first one, uh, Orcs and Humans, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I actually, I, I didn't play Warcraft 1, the, or, or Warcraft was not my first game. Like, the my first... Warcraft was Warcraft 2. Warcraft 1 was... I'm not sure if it was necessarily, like, before my time. Um, I mean, but it was just... It's the one that we got first. (laughs) It was Warcraft 2. Yeah, so for me, just a full disclaimer for the audience. um, I actually have not played any of the Warcraft RTSs. Um, And uh, Brett and I are kind of opposite on this. He's played all of the RTSs. Whereas I played, you know, countless hours of, of World of Warcraft, and he has only really dabbled in that a little bit. Uh, no, um, I have not dabbled. <laughs> oh, I thought you, I thought you had done like the free trial or something. No, I haven't even. Oh. Done, I've, I've watched people play. I okay. had a roommate that played pretty obsessively, but I've, I've watched, I've watched stuff on it, and I've played other MMOs, but I have not actually played WoW. Okay, well. Uh, I guess we're perfectly opposite then. <laughs> yeah, we are <laughs> so, polar opposites. <laughs> so so good enough. Um, but yeah, so I will say that when I graduated high school, which was in 2002 to date myself a bit, I um, I got a, a graduation present from a friend of, of the family. And it was a uh, like a, a battle chest, I guess you'd call it, of Warcraft 1 and 2. Um, but at that time, I was already... I guess we would have been Windows 98, probably, maybe 2000. I don't know, but it, it required DOS, um, and I was confused by it, and I, I just didn't actually play it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Warcraft was Warcraft 2 was the first multiplayer online game that I played. Mm, okay. Um, because I remember very distinctly being confused by and having... Luckily, my dad was a bigger computer geek than I like he was into it long before I was so he knew what he was doing and uh when when I was asked for my IRQ and my DMA uh I did not know what to do and those were configuration entries you would have to put into a wireless modem before you called somebody to like set up and configure the game to be able to talk to your modem for or a wireless it. modem or no, like sorry, a not a wire I meant a dial-up modem okay so you okay. had, to, like, you had wow. to enter yeah no <laughs> did your yeah, dad bob first... yeah, right. <laughs> i mean he did build a ham radio when he was like 14 but okay <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't put it past him hmm. um but no so the the irq and the dma were were configuration settings basically and you would have to the, when you launch the game and you said multiplayer it would ask for the irq and dma um and then you'd put those in and similar to like if it would ask you for your mac address your ip address or whatever and then you would do the dial-up connection and call i would i remember having so much trouble because first you have to get over somebody's mom answering the phone right 
Right. So like you call up your friend, hope that they're home, get to talk to them, be like, Hey, do you want to play? Cause <laughs> I'm on a corded telephone attached to the kitchen, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, all right, you want to play? Okay. Well, I'm all set up. Uh, call me back when you're set up. Okay. Bye. Click five minutes later, ring, pick up. Okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to hang up and then I'll call you. Wait, no, you call me. Figure that out. And then, okay, I'll call you. Three, two, one, hang up. Call. Horrendous dial-up noise. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then you would hear through the speakers, hello? Hello? And it's like, (laughs) you know, I'm like, ah, so cancel game. Restart. You have to set the whole game up again. Do everything ready. Call them again. Tell your mom not to answer the phone this time. All right, three, two, one. And then, like, he'd call me or whatever. It, it would end up being a whole – it would take 20 minutes to get one game started. Yeah, so I played – that's how I played Red Alert online multiplayer, uh, the Command & Conquer game. Yeah. I think with StarCraft Battle.net or whatever was out. Yeah, by uh, StarCraft Battle.net was available. Or Battle.net. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, that was uh, – I was talking to a guy who's, I don't know, 10 years younger than we are the other day, and, and I – somehow red alert came up actually. And I mentioned, I was like, did you ever have to just dial into someone else's computer just straight up like over dial up modem? And he was like, no, I don't know about that. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, there's that age difference, I guess. That's the struggle. (laughs) That's the struggle of an old school PC gamer. So I I loved DOS. Like I I was pretty versed in DOS and I preferred it to windows long into the 95, 98 era. Yeah, and I was actually thinking, I actually don't know if it was actually the fact that it was a DOS thing or if it was a thing where I I was just like, I'm not going to play that because it's too old and I, you know, I'm only playing modern games. Because at that that age, I mean, I was, I've definitely been a lifelong gamer, um, but it wasn't until after I graduated high school that I ever, like, bought a gaming magazine. Um I was never okay. really into the media side of it like that. You know, I I, right. I just bought games or rented games and played them and that was that was it. So I mean, I was a game snob for a long time before I went back and was okay playing older games. Mhm. Except I, outside of emulation. Like emulation was always kind of outside yes. of that realm, but Yes. Well, I think the indie game scene kind of forced that on us, right? Because you have new games coming out that look like games from 20 years ago and Right. <laughs> so deal with it. Um, so I, I know neither of us really played Warcraft one, you played Warcraft two, but I think a lot of the things were same, were similar in both of them insofar as that, and, and you had brought this up in the, the Starcraft episode that we did. Um, but the units are, are, are in Starcraft are asymmetrical between the three races. Right. But in right. Warcraft there, it's more like chess, right? Where it's not a hundred percent, but it's, it's way closer. It is a lot more along the lines of command and conquer where, there's not you have a default kind of footman or orc unit and then a ranged unit or a troll axe thrower versus an archer you know and they mm-hmm. generally have maybe one will have like one tile more range and 10 less hp okay uh, but the the differences the only other real differences were in like warcraft 2 especially in the spell casters where they had totally different spells and there were a couple of unique units on each side I see. Um, but most of it functioned the same. I, I did eventually go back and play Warcraft 1, but I don't think I ever fully beat it. Or if I did, I cheated my way through it because I just didn't care. Yeah, I remember my buddy that introduced me to StarCraft telling me that he that's why he didn't like Warcraft after having played StarCraft was because he appreciated the, the you know, the asymmetry versus it it's, being... It, 
it's real hard to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's interesting because I remember when he told me that I thought that as well, but again, the thing I compared it to is chess, which is like <laughs> the longest living, most popular game ever. Right. I mean, right. So I don't know. There's something to be said for <laughs> I, I using think, the same stuff. Well, yeah. And, and, and I do agree to that. And it is a lot like chess again, similarly started. The big thing is the fog of war is you not being able to see the whole map, you know? Right. Right. And, and that playing into it, I think, it just didn't catch on competitively. Like Warcraft was not played competitively. It wasn't, you know, mm. not, not much. If it was, it was like land parties type thing. Yeah. Well, I don't know that the, I don't know that internet connections existed yet to right. support that over, you know, outside of lands or something. Um, I think chess would get a much worse review if it was single player. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, you know, b- before you and I started recording today, we were kind of talking about game development, just bouncing around some different ideas or whatever. And I, I don't know. I think to some extent, you know, if you're going to make a, a strategy game, especially um, on the one hand, you kind of have to ask yourself the question like, well, <laughs> is my game actually going to be better than chess? And the answer is probably no, right. because chess has, what is it? Millions of possibilities or something you know, oh, at any given time. Yeah, trillions, but it's. So, yeah. So, and it's like probably not, but I think that's where doing those other things out that aren't just mecha- that aren't like, um, I mean, they do affect mechanics, but I don't know, like t- this will sound cynical and I don't really mean it this way, but it's almost like by doing the asymmetrical stuff. And because, you know, chess is just a, a board game with very standardized look or whatever, obviously there are fancy sets, but generally it's pretty, pretty standard. I think to some extent, all these things kind of deserve to, to distract. And maybe that's not the right word. That's what sounds cynical to me, but to kind of make the player not just focus on the mechanic, because in chess, there's nothing to think about except the move. Right. I, I think you know the other I mean? thing too is, and this is both a pro and a con is that at least as far as we know, I don't believe it's been solved yet, but chess is a fair game. Both mm-hmm. sides are equal. And I think that the further you step out of that equality to make asymmetrical races or opponents, the harder it is to balance those things, which from a game design perspective, not just coding it, because coding it, it's it's easy because, okay, well, I can just copy and paste all of this unit's code and I change the HP by 10 and the range by one, you know, versus, mm. and it's probably going to be pretty balanced, I hope, or it won't won't be too hard to figure out if it's too OP. Whereas with complete asymmetry, you've got to have a, a separate design idea set up where it's going to be balanced and not just balanced, but you also have to find all those edge cases. You have to actually look for them where if it's a hundred percent, if it's chess, there's no edge cases in chess. There's not a a way for the black units to perform a new maneuver that is unbeatable or the white units to do something that you just can't counter by combining in some certain way in some really rare scenario that's difficult to make happen, you know, other than a, a tactical move. But in asymmetrical races, you can, you know, mutilisk stacking or whatever, you know, where you find something that's unintentional that allows you a, a, an advantage over your opponent. Right, right. Um, so in a question about Warcraft 1 and, you know, I guess more more so 2, but um, how does it look as far as, like, the the terrain is laid out? Like, you know, in, in StarCraft 2, 
especially you, you see, you know, the, the ramps into bases. So it's a very tight choke points and the game is largely about that. Um, was that true in the old so Warcraft? Or? Warcraft only had one level of height map. Like okay. everything was, it was either water or land. Okay. Um, I think there was rocks that could like, but they were impassable by land units. You had to like fly over them. Right. I see. Um, and the the difference was though is that it had trees so there were like two main resources there were gold mines and there was wood and gold mines were kind of like your your ore in starcraft they were in a spawn in a permanent location you mine from them they have a certain amount of gold in them and then they run out but then the trees or the wood were actual terrain that units could not pass through again you could fly over them but you couldn't pass through them and your workers could go chop down one square at a time and take a load of wood back to the base and it was like your vespine gas Mm. and so it would by it performed two things one is your base usually started in a really small area with a lot of trees around it or Mm -hmm. it could be completely encircled by trees and that would make you protected right but mm-hmm. then to get your units out you had to break through the trees and kind of create a choke point so there was a lot more like land destruction essentially and and making choke points or opening up new attack avenues and it was something that you were also required to do because it was a resource so not only did you do it offensively or defensively but you had to do it no matter what so it kind of allowed you to think tactically about trying to find a back way into your opponent's base or something, but it also left you open for attack. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, the game that it makes me think of that I did play is like age of empires kind of had some mm-hmm. of that to it as well. Hmm. It was That's similar. I think it was a lot more prominent in Warcraft. Um, age of empires just was, a, I mean, Warcraft two is not a fast game by any means, but right. I think that as far as like terrain, destruction of that nature age of empires was a lot slower to get through a tree wall than it would be in in warcraft i gotcha i gotcha all right um so i i guess we could move on to warcraft 3 do you have any more thoughts on one or two that you'd like to share yeah i I mean warcraft 2 did a, a lot of things for me i think it really so it was one of the first real games that i played outside of like educational games i think like my earliest memory is like six or seven like me and my dad playing warcraft 2 so like the story was amazing it got me into fantasy storytelling it got me into like reading and writing it got me into drawing because the art book for that game or just the rule book had so much amazing art by chris metzen in it that it just it solidified me in a lot of ways as far as like my love for dragons, my love for fantasy and two-headed mage ogres and death knights and elves and humans fighting together. And just there were so many very iconic things for it for me that I mean, I, I get our you know, tropes basically, but there were so many unique ways that it took things that just, I don't know, it hit me at a, a perfect time to really inspire me into... I mean, to this day, it, you know, as a as a D and D, you know, dungeon master, I borrow a lot from Warcraft Two. Like the game, the one of the games that I'm running right now has like kind of orcs and goblins and trolls and ogres working together in a similar manner as you know Warcraft. So, hmm. I think it was just one of those things that that and and the polymorph spell turning somebody into a sheep, like. <laughs> 
I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of firsts. There was that was the first time you could click on a unit enough that it would get annoyed. Oh right, I've heard of that. And I've, like I've discovering, have you done it in StarCraft? I don't know. Probably. Oh, I mean, man. I know it's a, a thing, but I did not. I mean, I don't remember. It's I guess one of the <laughs> best. It's one of the best things. And the first, especially back in the day, no. Again, like I said, no internet. No, I didn't get a lot of magazines. I'd pick up one or two from a store, but I didn't subscribe. And yeah, the first time that I clicked on a unit, just a whole bunch because I was bored and wanted to hear all the things that it said, just it's normal, like three things, right? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it says a fourth thing and I'm like, throw my mouse, like shut the oh, fuck up. And like, and you keep clicking. If you did it to a sheep enough times, it would just explode. Wow. Like if you just like an animal, a critter on the map, you click it a bunch, it would say like, ba rem you. And then eventually you keep clicking on it and it would just and a little fiery explosion and a blood splat on the ground and <laughs> it's just like the randomness of that and the dying like i don't think i've died laughing playing a single player like playing myself in a game like i don't think there's ever been a point in terraria or anything that i've like cried laughing because something was so unexpected right and that happened in warcraft 2 that was that like there were a lot of those moments of discovery that just were so unexpected because it doesn't seem like that kind of game. Like that was just extra junk that they threw in for fun. Yeah. Well, I think that's always been part of, and it's interesting to hear that it was true back then, which makes sense that it would have been, but that's just kind of part of Blizzard's DNA as to why, you know, their games are always so great because it does have a little extra personality and it does have, you know, the games do have little jokes and sometimes the jokes are corny and sometimes they don't land, but I don't know. It, it's always willing to like kind of break the fourth wall a little bit right. with the gamer. Yeah. But, Cause they would, they would say like, stop clicking on me and right. point that somewhere else. Like saying, yeah, the cursor is a finger. Like don't poke me. Like, right. <laughs> but it's not too heavy handed and it's no, not like, it's, it's not very like, yeah, like it's as subtle as it can be. Right. 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 Um, so this is something I brought up during the StarCraft episode, which I was, I was pleasantly surprised actually that you actually had a different take on it because it's, it's something I don't know that much about, but I'll, I want to bring it up again because I think it relates here again. So you also have at least to some extent played games, workshop, Warhammer games, yeah. right? Yeah. Like the actual tabletop. Mm -hmm. So, so I have had heard, and I again I, I have I don't have a source to cite, so <laughs> it could be speculation. <laughs> right. But I'd heard that originally Blizzard went to Games Workshop and said we would like to buy your IP or you know license your IP or whatever to make games with, and Games Workshop said no, and so then Blizzard created the Warcraft universe to emulate War Warhammer 40k or not 40k but Warhammer fantasy. Epic or Fantasy, yeah, yeah, and then StarCraft is kind of in some ways a their take on on Warhammer 40k. Right. Um so is that something that you're aware of? Is that something that like what yeah, is, I, how do you feel about that? So I don't I don't remember like the particulars, but I, I think that you're pretty close to the mark on that. I'm also pretty sure that especially with Warcraft, there was a lawsuit by Games Workshop. Mm. Um if I'm not mistaken and I, I don't remember how any of that shook out. I mean, obviously, but they both own their own IPs still. But I, I'm pretty sure there was some attempt. The Games Workshop has thrown lawsuits pretty heavy-handedly at, at just about every company that tries to do anything. But um, at, at the time, I mean, it was it was pretty obvious. And I think that 
Warcraft compared to Warhammer Fantasy is a lot closer than Starcraft is to 40k. Like, mm-hmm. like it's you can see, but it's far enough away that it's as different as say Warhammer Fantasy is from Tolkien, right? Like, I mean, it's you use dwarves right. and elves and orcs and goblins and stuff. Like, I would say that in the realm of like that comparison, that I think between Warcraft and Games Workshop, I believe for fantasy games workshop has a much better world that is more robust with more life and story and cool things in it as mm-hmm. as many cool things as are in the warcraft universe i feel like the warhammer kind of had the lead on that but then as far as futuristic stuff i feel like starcraft nails that the 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 way the races play more. Of course, they're dealing with a computer game versus a board game, but I think by the time of StarCraft, they'd refined their ability to make games in, in such a way that it like they were able to carve out that space much more uniquely. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because um, in, in StarCraft, like... In StarCraft, I mean, I guess maybe you could say that the Protoss are kind of religious, but but not I don't know, not explicitly. Right. But in in Warhammer, there's a lot more of that. Like there's right. a lot. More... It's all dark fanaticism and right, like elder the space gods. Right, right. Like the, the the Terran Marines in StarCraft are just, I guess, I arguably just in the army, or I guess from StarCraft two, they're prisoners <laughs> put in those they're suits. Average Joes. Yeah, whereas in like Warhammer, the Space Marines are like the most elite, genetically altered. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but I I think some of the other stuff that Warcraft did that really helped separate it was like spellcasting. Like spellcasting is instantaneous in Warcraft. It's a video game. You click the button, the spell happens. You know, Mm -hmm. and there's no pulling up cards or looking at rule books or lists or anything like that. And I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad that, you know, Blizzard became what it did. But on the other, I think, especially for the time that Games Workshop would have done, they have made so many bad games with the the Games Workshop IP on them, uh, mm-hmm. especially in around the same time. I mean, there was some some really old, really bad Games Workshop games outside of the Space Hulk series that were just terrible attempts at recreating hex-based grids and unit stats and stuff from the board game. And I think that something like like Warcraft just did a much better job. It had very, I mean, cause Warcraft still had unique characters and it had a very rich and robust world. And I, I think that, you know, games workshop really missed the boat on that one as far as getting somebody to do something with their IP that could have done something good with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, I would agree with your take on Warhammer's fantasy being a little more, I don't know. I don't actually know that much about Warhammer Fantasy, I guess, to be fair, but I have played probably my my biggest exposure to it is the Total War Warhammer yeah, game. They they um, get the Skaven in there, one of my favorite races. Yeah, they've got I mean in the second one there's I think there's Skaven, there's lizard people, there's high elves, there's dark elves. Um and then in the first one you've got dwarves, greenskins, vampires, uh like Oh, humans, I guess, the Empire. Oh, right. oh yeah, those things. Yeah. I, <laughs> honestly, I got, yeah, I never pick human in Neither any do game I. that has more than that, which is funny because it's like, do I hate being a human? Like, no, I don't, but I don't know. Like, But I've never been a Zerg, so I want to. Right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, all right, well, so 
so yeah, so well, thank you for expounding upon that. I was just curious, like I said, what what your thoughts on that were? Because I don't really know that much about Games Workshop. I mean, I also played the Warhammer MMO, which I'll probably talk about a little bit when we talk about World of Warcraft. Right. Um, but yeah, my my exposure is limited. But I I will say that like, you know, the orcs in in Warcraft are like, I I guess they're kind of the religious ones, and they're really they're like shamanistic. Yeah. Um. Whereas in like Warhammer, they're like soccer hooligans from England, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And they're hilarious. Oh, yeah. No, they both have their own very unique flavor. I mean, mm-hmm. the Games Workshop is a very British flavor, like very heavily. These are the, the British guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so War- Warcraft 3, was that your first Warcraft game then? No, again, I never played any of the RTS. So you didn't play. So you didn't play 3 either. Right, so it's it's interesting to hear you explain Polymorph as a spell from Warcraft 2, because the first time I saw Polymorph was in World of Warcraft, and I came from other MMOs before that, and so a common spell mechanic in games is what you would call Mesmerize or Mez, um, in MMOs at least, which basically is... It, it, it's kind of just like a really long duration stun. Right. Usually the separation is that a stun isn't broken by taking damage, whereas a mez is. And that's really what polymorph is. So when I saw it, I was just like, Oh look, uh, you know, that's the mez in this game. Oh, and it, it, and I mean, I thought it was neat or whatever, cause you're turning him into a sheep or right. other games, you know, they just have a little icon over their head or something. But yeah, I, I actually certainly thought that that was a world of Warcraft <laughs> exclusive. Oh, you know what I mean? So like, it was one of the most powerful spells that the human spellcaster had, the mage, I guess, mm. um, because it would just permanently turn an opponent's unit into a sheep. Like ah. anything. I, I don't remember if you could cast it on catapults or not. I don't remember. But anything else, any other unit, dragon, huh. polymorph, turned into a sheep permanently. <laughs> and it became a critter. So it you couldn't control it. Like it just, it was dead. It just right. insta-killed something. And... Hmm. And like you had an area of effect spell, like a blizzard or whatever. I don't remember what the dark, the dark knight had like a plague area of effect spell. And, mm. But I don't remember what his, like if he had a single target or what it was, maybe he was the one that could like t- mind control a unit or something that's been in there for a long time, but it's, it's been a long minute since I played Warcraft two. So I remember mostly messing around with like dwarven griffin riders and black dragons. And right, like right, that, right. So, no, that makes sense. Yeah, so so Warcraft 3, um, I don't know that much about it. I know I had some friends that played it, and I remember when I was playing WoW in like 2005 and six, probably, I there was like a friend of a friend that I knew who was really into Dota when it was still just a mod for Warcraft 3. Right. Um, and, you know, obviously that eventually spawned the entire MOBA genre that is so popular now, but... But that was really, you know, I, I knew very little about it. I didn't know, I don't know, I, I guess because I had never played the first two, I just didn't, I don't know, it just didn't jump out at me. But I don't know why, because I played, like, Rise of Nations, some <laughs> weird kind of RTS game that spans, like, a civilization-esque timeline. Right. Um, well, and like you said, like, Age of Empires and stuff. Yeah, I played Age of, of Empires, I played StarCraft, so I played the... Tiberian Sun and Red Alert, like I played the Command and Conquer games, so I don't know, it's not that I didn't play RTS, but for whatever reason, I don't know, Warcraft just was never one that I, you know, put on the list, <laughs> I guess. I So this is, this defines, it's probably the first game that like, really disappointed me. 
like beyond like and that I had expectations for. Because there were a ton of games that we, you know, you pick up a game, you know, from the used bin or whatever, and you take it home, and it's like, oh, this is just garbage. That's why it was in the used bin. Okay, great. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But this is like, I mean, I didn't buy it on release, um, but it was, I was excited about it. Now, granted, this was my junior year, end of my sophomore year, junior year in high school, the summer between those. Okay. And Warcraft 2 was my like, you know, seven, eight year old kid brain. And, you know, Warcraft 3 is high school brain. Mm-hmm. And it just, everything about it was, in my eyes, in the wrong direction. Like, the, the, the army cap went from, like, 200 down to 80. And by that point, I'm already playing tons of, like, like you said, Tiberian Sun, Red Alert 2 and stuff are all out by this time. And it's like, you can have infinite units there. Like, I want Warcraft, I want warcraft in the red alert engine and i would have been happy but instead it's like all of the units are huge they're all you know 3d giant take up huge amounts of space the screen is effectively a lot smaller because your real estate is just less the pop cap is a lot lower and they introduce these hero units which i mean hero units were in warcraft 2 but they didn't have a lot of like special abilities they were just an advanced version of a unit right Mm-hmm. And granted, I didn't play online, so I didn't get to play the Dota or anything like that. I jumped in it for the story, cheated my way through it in like two hours in, a, in an afternoon, because I just started, by the second or third mission, I started hating everything about the game. I hated mm. the art style. I hated that it was all blocky and cartoony. Like, And granted, it's not like Warcraft 2 wasn't cartoony. It, it was, but it was 2D, or 2.5D, or whatever. And and three just like doubled down on that. It started that Disney-esque feeling for me. And during, you know, high school, I took a lot more offense to that. And and it also took the story in a direction that I felt just wasn't that thrilling for me. Like, every, I, I hated everything about it. I hated absolutely everything about Warcraft 3. <laughs> Did you play the expansion Frozen Throne? I don't. I didn't. I, I played okay. Warcraft. I borrowed a disc or got a copy of a disc from somebody of warcraft 3 played it for an afternoon and then never touched it again and in fact like swore off blizzard that was so warcraft 3 is the reason i never played wow Mm. it's not because i was against mmos it was because Mm. i was the snotty high school kid who was too good for them because Mm. like oh well i played even in high school i was the kid that was like oh i played warcraft 2 when i was a kid so i'm i know all about this and i just feel like they've gone in the wrong direction so i don't even need to play world of warcraft because that's Mm. dumb kid stuff Mm. yeah so and yeah so that's interesting because i have you know i've seen screenshots of warcraft 3 of course and things like that so I, i have a general idea of what the art style looked like and that's fair that it looks like it's, you know, especially in like the, the the box art or the concept art, like not the actual game graphics, which are, you know, limited by the generation that they come out in, you know, more than anything. But the actual drawings of stuff is pretty similar to what they did in WoW. And I, you know, I think WoW is just an extension of that same more cartoony Disney-esque, as you're saying, art right. style. And it sounds like, you know, we talked in the StarCraft episode about how between Starcraft one and brood war, it's a really dark kind of vibe. Um, you know, people are getting sacrificed. Planets are getting destroyed. Like there's not really a happy outcome in, in those at all. And so 
but then we talked about how in Starcraft 2, it kind of took, I think we probably again referred to it as kind of a Disney-esque turn. Um, do you feel like Warcraft 3 is where that turn happened for Blizzard at large? Yeah, like, is that... I mean, I would probably say so. I think it was definitely solidified by WoW um, just because of how big that got. But I think that that turn started happening because, I mean, I remember the storyline being a lot uh, more easily digestible. And it's not to say that they don't have dark and dismal things. They aren't full Disney, but they're just so much more easily digested, so much more cliche. And I think that, again, it's not that Warcraft 2's art style. Warcraft 3 was graphically more intense, but I still felt like thematically in the wrong direction because in Warcraft 2, like the plague spell it was an area of effect that literally like melted people kind of like in like a baneling hitting something i mean it, it, it they melted and there were bones and blood like my dad was kind of frustrated with the fact that there was so much blood and gore in warcraft hmm. 2 and he eventually like we had that was the first time i got the sit down talk of like games aren't reality like don't don't try to do any of this, you know? And, and mm. like, I was like, that's cool. I mean, I was seven. I, I think that's a fair conversation to have at that age. And, and it was still, even at that time, kind of like a, yeah, I know, just let me play. But mm-hmm. cause he wouldn't let me play like doom or anything, mm. um, which I'm pretty sure we had a copy of that he hid somewhere. Um, but <laughs> you know, cause it, it mostly for the gore, not for the like demon stuff. Like he wasn't, he didn't really care about that. He was more, didn't want me getting too much into gore and like trying to go blow up frogs with firecrackers. Cause that's the kind of stuff that he did as a kid. But, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just, so, I mean, it was a gore, like Warcraft two was gory and Warcraft three just, it, it, it's had that, that gore was there, but because of the art style, it came off like comedic instead of like mm. instead of being mostly serious with comedic moments that it poked fun through the fourth wall, it was more comedy with serious moments that poked through. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because that just seems to be like like the formula for um super popular mass market content. And and this is now to be clear, that's a very bold statement <laughs> and I haven't, I literally just came up with it right now, but, but what it makes me, um, it just seems like that is prevalent in, in so many things like the, the Marvel cinematic universe. I've just gone back and well, I shouldn't say gone back. I've just started watching those movies, trying to get through all of them. Um, and that's what all of them, in my opinion, kind of suffer from a little bit is that there's some really cool, fantastical stuff that happens, but then there's always this like tongue in cheek campiness to it that to be fair is massively popular. So, you know, well, and and sometimes it works. I think that, you know, not to go too far in there, but I think like guardians of the galaxy pulls it off because they take it to the extreme. Like when you take it to the extreme to make fun of like, yeah, we're doing that, then it works. But if you try to like, pretend like you're not doing it then no it doesn't well so like a a scene that's always stuck out for me um i I would agree that guardians of the galaxy is is maybe the best version of it um i so the first avengers movie okay um there's a scene where you know loki's the bad guy or whatever and hulk jumps in and grabs loki by the feet and just like ragdoll slams him back and forth right and creates like a I don't know, six inch 
crevice in the concrete that he's slamming him into, (laughs) you know? And it's like, it's in the middle of a scene where New York city is being destroyed and like people are, you know, it's insane mayhem. And then that happens and you're like, wow, that was insane. Except it wasn't because it didn't actually hurt him. And it, it's actually not supposed to be an awesome scene where the Hulk actually damages someone. I mean, it's supposed to be him being powerful, but it's almost supposed to just be funny. The intent is for it to be funny. It is very clear that the intent is just Hulk smash. And it's like, I would have appreciated it if, if, you know, fine, do that same scene. And maybe it's kind of funny because it's Hulk smash, but Loki is paced after that. You know what I mean? Like that would be more enjoyable to me. His leg rips off and he turns to a splatter. Like, yeah, but they don't take the giant flying lizard thing was a lot cooler. Right. Because that gives you your Hulk smash and demonstrates his power. But, yeah, I get it. And I and I think that that's I think that a lot of Blizzard kind of went in that direction where there are serious moments. There are serious undertones and themes between the Warcraft universe and and WoW goes in that direction a lot too. I mean, I may not have played, but I've I've checked in on the story every here and there and like, you know, Cataclysm was very huge. It was a very big deal and it changed the game, mm-hmm. but but that doesn't change the style or the presentation. Like it's like presenting a post-apocalypse as a, a Saturday morning cartoon. Like it just doesn't, something about that is contradictory in a way that I can't get over. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I meant is it seems like that's kind of what all of Blizzard kind of went toward, you know, in the, in the Diablo episode, we talked about how Diablo three kind of loses that, edge or whatever right. you want to call it that the, the previous games had and so it sounds like and again i haven't played them but it sounds like warcraft 3 was kind of the turning point where they went that direction in the warcraft yeah because i mean you know warcraft 3 was a couple of years after diablo 2 mm. and, and then world of warcraft was a couple of years after that but then right. everything else comes way later right so it's it's interesting and um I mean, you and I have had conversations about this long before we decided to, to you know, make a podcast. So I know that that's just genuinely your feeling and you're not trying to zig when everyone else is zagging or kind of, you know, something like that. But most people now, that's why I asked if you played Frozen Throne. Right. But most people I know actually feel like the Warcraft 3 story was a very meaningful story. Like I've heard some people say that it was the first time that they like really got wrapped up in a story for an RTS. Now, some of that may be age or some of that may be just what they've been exposed to. Um, you know, if it was their first thing, then of course they think it's the best. Right. Um, but it's interesting that, 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 that is your take on it. And, and I think probably a fair one, uh, you know, whether, I mean, I think <laughs> I don't, I don't really remember. I, th- I think my problem is I may have, I think I remember that having a real conflicted moment near the end of, cheating my way through warcraft 3 where i had a Mm. moment where i did kind of like the story like at the very (laughs) end but was so mad at everything that it took to get there that i had to cheat for three hours straight and this is all i got like yeah it's cool by now but it took three hours of cheating to get here i'm glad i didn't spend 40 hours playing it legitimately (laughs) like and so i think it was like spite and so i I may have a black spart part of my memory that's just covered with like spite be here and, right. and I don't remember in grave detail the story. And maybe that's, again, I think it was a product of age at some point and, and just kind of I'd already invested so much cheating at that point anyway that I felt like 
that emptiness of cheating your way to victory. But I, I wouldn't have cheated if it wasn't if I was enjoying it. Like I played through the first few levels and was just like, no, this is not my game. I'm going to go back to Command and Conquer. Like, right. Well, and I think it's really interesting too. I mean, obviously Warcraft as a franchise had a giant impact, you know, in the games industry and gaming and at large. Um, but I think it's also interesting that it was your first example of, of being actually let down by a game. Like as a kid, I don't really ever remember being let down by a game. Now, a lot of that's because it's not, I couldn't just go out and buy a game if I wanted it. <laughs> so I had to rent games. So usually if I wanted one, I knew that I wanted it before I asked for it, you know? Um, but that wasn't always true. Like when I got red alert as a kid, my dad got that for me for Christmas, which thank God my computer ran it. Cause he didn't know anything <laughs> about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was a time where it was a real toss up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there still can be, um, but yeah, but either way, so it, like, and I love that game, but I had, you know, I had no idea that it even existed or that such a thing existed right. before playing it. Um, well, any, any more thoughts on, on Warcraft three at all? No, I don't think so. And, and I think if you don't mind, I, I'm not sure that I've heard the story. Maybe I have, and I just don't remember, but what got you into wow and when? Oh yeah. yeah I'll be happy to, to explain all that. So as I shared in the Diablo episode, Diablo was kind of my first experience playing um, an online game. And well, I should say an online RPG um, with other, with friends and, you know, other people and that sort of stuff. Right. And so we, we knew, I say we, me and my group of friends, we knew about EverQuest. Um, and then there was a game called Dark Age of Camelot that came out in 2001. And so we would go to Best Buy and look for games to buy and, you know, see if anything looked cool or whatever. And, um, and, those games were always there, but we just thought it was insane to, to play or excuse me, to pay a monthly fee to play a game. Like that was just such a foreign concept to us. Oh yeah. Uh, and we we're all high school kids. So, you know, well, and I think that's not, I know that's not long after the point in time where games went from like 40 to 50, like dollars. So, I actually don't, re I don't remember that change at all. I, I remember so that, that change and it being like a real big uproar that me and a few friends went to Best Buy and were like, all the games went up $10. This is ridiculous. Like I'm not making I remember, $10 more at work, like whatever. Right. I remember when that happened at, in like when the 360 and the PlayStation 3 came out and they moved from 50 to 60. Right. And I remember that being a big deal. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't know that I was aware enough prior to then because again i didn't buy a ton of games i rented games i borrowed games from friends right. you know what i mean I, I wasn't didn't spend a ton of money on it um so me and my friends thought it was all super crazy to pay money to play a game well eventually one of my buddies was like well you get a free month when you buy dark age of camelot which i'm sure was true for everquest also but Dark Age of Camelot had an emphasis on PvP that wasn't really at least marketed in EverQuest. I mean, there was PvP there, but it wasn't a focus. Whereas in Dark Age, that's kind of the end game. Yeah. So he was really interested in that. And so he was like, well, I'm going to get it. And and if I don't like it, then whatever. I don't have to continue paying to, to subscribe, but I can at least try it for a month and see. Um, And so he got he got that game and we were all just super blown away. The, there was three of us that went back to that buddy's house that the night he bought it. We were, again, we were all in high school. I think we were seniors and me and the other buddy had got this, this rockstar game called state of emergency, which 
is actually crazy that it existed in today's time because <laughs> it's a game where you basically go to really large public areas and then create chaos and mayhem. Now you're not supposed to shoot <laughs> civilians, but you mow down gang members and police officers in large volumes in like a mall. Um, so in today, in the context of mass shootings that are out now, like it's kind of, it's kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it could not be released today. It's also just not a very good game. Well, fair. Um, but so anyway, so me and the other buddy were playing that game. And then in my, my buddy who got uh, Dark Age of Camelot was playing that in his room. And so we would go in and check on him. And yeah, we were just totally blown away by by it. And eventually, you know, within a few weeks, all of us had it. And we played Dark Age for, I don't know, we got it in, in I think, probably 2002, like the spring of 02. And off and on played it until well, ultimately played it through like 2007. Um, but anyway, we would kind of go back and forth. So in probably 2005, uh, as me and several buddies were playing Dark Age, and so the reason I explain all that is just that's how I got into MMOs. Yeah, no, I was playing sure. Dark Age of Camelot. Um, so then War, World of Warcraft came out. Well, the only MMO that, that I'd really ever loved was Dark Age. Now, at that point, I had played Star Wars Galaxies, I had played um, a game called Shadowbane. That was actually my first gaming disappointment. Um, <laughs> we waited for months looking at the website and then got into the beta like the week before it came out. Right. But I thought that I didn't know what beta meant. So I thought that beta meant like a really outdated version of the game and that what they launched live ah. with would be very different. <laughs> and it was not, of course. Uh, it was terrible. Anyway, so... Um, so I'd played some other, um, some other MMOs, but Dark Age was the only one that had ever really hooked me, you know, for a really long time. Okay. And so when WoW came out, not only was I not interested in it really for the graphics, because Dark Age has a more, I don't know if realistic is the right word. Yeah, but... In the time, like turn of its time, it was. More yeah, realistic. right. Um, but actually it was just, it was also just the fantasy of WoW I didn't like. I didn't like that there were guns. I didn't oh, like okay. that there were. You know, I, I I don't know if at that time there was a gyrocopter that you could get, but just the whole steampunk side of WoW, of Warcraft technology, I I didn't understand. I didn't think it fit in a fantasy MMO, you know, because, right. again, I have very little exposure to this stuff. Um, a steampunk had very little exposure to mainstream by that point, too. I mean, like, the real steampunk movement was probably pushed ahead by WoW. I mean, it existed, but... Yeah. Wow, definitely purged some room for that, you know. That's probably fair. Um, so anyway, so yeah, probably around 2005. I, I mean, it could have been 2004. That's the year WoW came out, and I don't know that I played it. I know I didn't play it at launch. I don't know exactly how long, but whatever. Within roughly the first year I played. And I had I just had another buddy who, who liked it a lot and who had played Dark Age with me. And uh, he convinced me to try it. And so I did. And I was pretty drawn into it right away. Um, even though it's cartoony, it had little touches that, I mean, now are not a big deal. But in, at that time, like, I started out in a snow biome. And when I ran in the snow, there are little footprints behind my dude. Right. Um, there's little, there's whenever he breathes in the cold weather, there's little, you can see his breath in the air, you know. Uh, just little touches like that that obviously have nothing to do with gameplay, have nothing to do with with any of that. But 
I don't know, just I thought were really, really cool because I'd never seen an MMO do that. I mean, the concession that is still made with MMOs is that the the games are just not on par with a single player game or, or even a game that's designed in a more, you know, co-op kind of fashion. Right. Um, I don't know. Anyway, the experience so... is less tailored, but I think that's also a lot of their charm. Like I, I was having a conversation with some people where they were talking about how the, that a lot of people want things like, like mounts and stuff in, in world of Warcraft or whatever. But before mounts were there having to like walk all the way across a continent to get to a quest, you would end up finding other people that were also walking towards the same quest and you would walk with them and you would end up chatting with them. And this, you would start having a story emerge and maybe you role play your characters and maybe you also talk about just normal things. But like that, those moments where it took you 10 minutes to walk across an area where nothing was happening was where the social gameplay elements existed and that when things like mounts and stuff came out, that, that it ruined a lot of those moments. Because everybody wanted to travel fast, because, yeah, I just want to fast travel there. But without realizing that without the fast travel, that's where all of the great social moments kind of came out of. Yeah, so that's an interesting point that I've I've thought about a lot and talked about a lot. And, and it's directly tied to, to WoW, actually. Um, and it's it's basically that... This is going to sound stupid on its face, but I just found it to be somewhat true that tedium builds immersion. Yeah. Um, And, and it, I don't know, like there are, to be fair, there are versions of that of tedium that don't build immersion. Right. Um, so it's not that that's just exclusively true. And if you make the, you know, the most grindy game ever, I don't know. Have you, have you tried real life? It's really grindy and it is. I have, and I real. actually constantly escape it with video games, which is why we're doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, but no, so, so that is an interesting point. And I, I don't know that I would argue that mounts, um, that mounts took that away, I, I, but I, but fast travel certainly does. And, and there's a lot of things that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute um, that, that did exactly that. So, so yeah, so I got into WoW. I played vanilla WoW for I don't know, probably a year, but it wasn't it wasn't one character and it wasn't just a year straight. It was it was like I would start with friends and we would play for 2 months and then everyone would quit for a month and then a different person would want to play, so I would restart with them and then we would play for however long. Um and so I never got to max level. And so to kind of tie back into what you were saying though, something that was true in EverQuest and, and World of Warcraft, or excuse me, Dark Age of Camelot and classic WoW to some extent, but, but definitely the games before classic WoW. Um, pr- the game pre-maximum level was was generally actually the largest part of the game and it mattered. And what WoW did... And not and in classic, it was still true that the pre sixty, which is the max level in WoW, still mattered, and there was still a lot of stories to be had because it took a long time to get to sixty. Um, but as WoW progressed, that got diminished more and more to where really the only thing that matters is the end game. Right. Um, and and so when that wasn't true, 
you definitely had a lot more of what you're talking about where like, Hey, we're going to go over here and you run into some people in a field. I mean, you know, in, in EverQuest and in dark age, you're not even doing quests. There's literally just mob camps. And based on the composition and power level, if you will, of your group, that determines kind of what mob camps you can do. And so that's, that's the game is just finding a group and going out and farming at a, at a camp or something. And maybe you find a new camp after a while and, that sort of stuff, but it wasn't really quests. And WoW is really quest-based. Now, towards the end game, the quests get a lot more convoluted and cause you to have to run around a lot more. Um, but there was still at least some of that. Um, but it, it, the thing is, is that it's also not all gameplay mechanics. The other thing that that WoW eventually did that kind of took away from that that uh, serendipitous socialization that you were kind of referring to is and it's a problem that I don't know how else you solve. So the problem with MMOs is that people quit all of the time and come back all of the time. And so maintaining a server population is difficult. And in a game like WoW, where there's two factions, it's even more difficult because now it's not just a base server count. It's also who, how many people are on Horde and Alliance. Well, the, there's a lot of problems that stem if those populations are unbalanced. And it's not it's not just like world PVP or something. It's also like battlegrounds, like the structured PVP activities. If, you know, Alliance has nine times or 10 times, whatever more players than the horde. Well, the problem then becomes that if you queue for a battleground as an Alliance player and there's a hundred of you queuing and there's only 10 of them queuing, well, now the 10 of them queue that fills one game and the rest of the 90 Alliance players are sitting on their hands waiting. Uh, And so it really creates a lot of downtime that that is another example of tediousness, which I don't think builds immersion, no, which is not for fun. sure. And I, and I think that, you know, tedi- tediousness and, and also like there is such a thing as good frustration. You'd, it'd be really hard to sell anybody on that. But I think that a lot of moments and a lot of those aha moments, like figuring out a puzzle is a moment of good frustration. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, but yeah, queuing a, a, an infinite queue for a game is an example of bad frustration. And that's, yeah, that's really difficult to balance something like that. I'm surprised that they they did as well as they did with a two-sided server like that cuz you see that in a lot of like kind of Korean MMOs or or you know Japanese MMOs, but you don't see mm-hmm. that a lot in you know where you have two polar opposite sides that have, you know, and trying to balance them. Right. Yeah, I mean like in in Dark Age of Camelot there's actually three factions. Oh, okay. Um and in Warcraft it's all one world, right? Like it's all like the PVE continents that you play on, whether your horde or alliance are the same. Now you have different capital cities and, and different quest NPCs generally. Um, but it's all the same world. Whereas in dark age, there's three factions and all of them have their own wholly unique PVE worlds. And then if you want a PVP, you, you port to a totally different zone or instance, if you will, that is then a, a more shared PVP region. Um, which is interesting because in a game like Dark Age, what that means is that you can play for years, but if you don't play all three races, there's just giant sections of the game that you don't know anything about. Um, anyway, so back to Warcraft. Um, so as far as my playtime with it, so I, again, I played Classic for a while, and then I came back to it and played very seriously and got to Endgame right around the time that Burning Crusade came out, which is the first expansion. Um went into Burning Crusade, played that for 
I don't know, probably a year and a half. Uh, then played Wrath of the Lich King extensively, played Cataclysm somewhat extensively, and then really didn't play. After that, you've got Mists of Pandaria and Warlords of Draenor. I didn't really play either of those at all. I bought them, <laughs> but I didn't play them really. Um, and then you had Legion, I believe. I played that. And then Burnt, or what is it? Battle for Azeroth is the current one. Uh, I bought it, played it for about a month, and then actually went and played a classic Dark Age server and <laughs> stopped playing WoW. Um, but anyway, so my point with sharing all that is just to, to quickly recap that I have seen the majority of the game and how it's progressed. And I think I missed Cat, maybe I missed Cataclysm. I don't know. Yeah. I played that as well. But um, so what WoW did though that was really interesting because I've played, I mean, I've counted up before, I've played like 30 different MMOs. Now, to be fair, some of those I played for three hours and then quit because I don't care. Well, there's a lot of bad MMOs too. <laughs> there are. Or a lot that are. look really cool to begin with and you jump in and they're just cash cows. Yeah. Well, so what WoW did, which is, it's interesting because I made the point about TDM can create immersion. What WoW did was they said, you know, it, through their <laughs> game design decisions was, why do we have to, um, why do we have to maintain the status quo with the way these games have always been played. And really what, what it was, excuse me, is that the original MMOs, we'll call them the pre WoW generation of games really were marketed to D and D players and, and D and D isn't, isn't entirely fair, but, but role players, right, role players. people who played muds. Mm-hmm. Um, That's, I, muds that was are, where I got my start really was muds. Yeah. I never have played one, but you know, and have known people that have, um, but so all the old games had an emphasis on catering to the the role player crowd. So I think that's why there was a lot more tedium because a role player wouldn't accept shortcuts that are video gamey. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, well, that because no, then where I do I to role play? The town. I need to get right. into the I need to get into the tavern so that I can have my tavern chat with somebody and sit in a chair and emote for an hour. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think that what what WoW kind of did was shift shift away from that being the target audience. And and this is going to be unfair, but I don't know what else to call it. But it was like they almost decided, like, why aren't we trying to sell this to the, the Call of Duty audience? Or even their their own Diablo audience. Yeah, that's to, fair. To some point. I mean, because I, I was one of those role players. I loved a game that had extensive customization and, and good emotes and good mm-hmm. good room to tell stories. Because I was, I mean, I was a and d player and they targeted me. And, you know, and I that was fine. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so when all this happened, when all these changes happened, I really celebrated it. I thought that it was it was so bold of them to say why do you have to run why do you have to stand in town and spam for a group and then wait for everyone to get to the same place because you're probably scattered you know and then get together run all the way to the dungeon from wherever it is which maybe takes 15 or 20 minutes to only then start the dungeon when they eventually come out with dungeon finder where i just click that i want to run a dungeon and i'm either a tank a dps or a healer and it just automatically searches for a group and finds it um, why, why is that not better? Right. I mean, I, I think there's definitely advantages to, to some pieces in there. And I, again, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it goes both ways where the spamminess, sure. Get rid of the spamminess and streamline that stuff. But I think 
a lot of people kind of miswant where they want everything streamlined. And if everything right. is streamlined, then there's just it's the attention economy, right? If if you don't have to put in any effort to play a game with ten other people, when you get into that game, you don't care about keeping a connection with those ten people. You just do your part, you play through your dungeon and you leave. And more likely than not, you're not spending that time that time where you're all waiting around for your, you know, your last tank or whatever to join the group. In between that spamming, you're chatting and getting to know these people, and you start forging those interpersonal connections. And I think that you don't forge a lot of interpersonal connections when you are, when you know that there's a five second wait to get into the next dungeon. You're just going to grab your loot and search for the next dungeon and rerun with a different group of people. Right. Well, so I actually realized now that I didn't finish my point oh, sorry. <laughs> earlier. No, 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 no. I didn't mean it like that. I mean, I, I was making a point and changed, <laughs> changed what I was talking about. Um, not, yeah, not that you interrupted <laughs> me or something. Um, but, but what I was going to say is just that, so the way that they eventually solve the server imbalance problem that I was talking oh, yeah. about with populations is they, I don't know, developed a technology that they call phasing. And what phasing does is it allows you and me to be in the same zone and maybe see totally different things. So where they first implemented it was in Wrath of the Lich King, which is the expansion that's kind of the sequel to Frozen Throne, right? Or the, the continuation of that storyline from Warcraft 3. Um, you eventually go to, I don't know what the zone's called, but a zone, maybe it's called Ice Crown, actually, where there's Ice Crown Citadel, which is where you know, Arthas, the, the Lich King, it's where his domain is, his castle is. Right. And so you play out this whole series of quests where you push back uh, whatever, I can't remember what the, the, the Forsaken maybe, I don't know if that's right or not. Whatever, whatever his army is called, you push them back all the way from you know the top of the zone down back to his castle. And as you beat quests, the landscape actually changes which was really unique for an MMO because it was what I was talking about earlier where because it's a shared world and because there's all this persistence, you don't get that. If you kill the quest mob, he respawns in five minutes so someone else can right. kill him. So it's kind of immersion breaking. Well, with this, if I, with this phasing technology, you and I could be standing next to each other. And if I've killed, you know, if I've liberated this town and you haven't, I see a liberated town with NPCs where I can go shop at. You see the the mob infested overrun thing that you still have to do the quest to clear out huh. um which was really cool because it actually allowed them to kind of tell a story in a much more immersive way right so so how does that solve the problem of server balance though because eventually what they did was they worked they they uh, they found out how to utilize phasing so that if you and I are both on different servers but we're both in stranglethorn vale which is a zone right, right. Well, so before we would have just not seen each other. And if we're the only people in there, then there's, we just see one player, which is ourselves in each zone. Well, now, because we're both together, they used phasing, or excuse me, we're both in the same zone. They used phasing to put players in zones together. That's basically its own instance. Because really what it is is instance technology, right? Just like when you go to a, a dungeon and it's its own instance. Okay, so, but, but instead of kind of loading up, a, it's more of a fluid instance. It's a very, you don't know it as the player at all. You never see a loading screen. Huh. You never see a tear in the world. You have no idea. That's pretty, that's got to be some pretty intense on the back end. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, like. it's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've been really impressed by it since they came out with it. And it's cool because 
as I was just describing, especially now in WoW, uh, there you know the game pre max level is is somewhat meaningless. It's just a treadmill to get to the end. Right. Um, and so the problem with that is that because everyone's playing at the max level, if you're leveling up a character, the world feels pretty empty. Even though WoW has millions of players, it's unlikely that you would see someone. Well, with this phasing technology, they fix that because now if there's 10 players across 10 servers, we'll put them all together and now they see a populated, you know, right. Even if they're, yeah, so 10 people is all it takes in the whole world to, to feel, because that's all it takes to feel populated in any, any MMO. And in fact, it feels gross. I always hated going to, whenever you get like through the early game and you get to the first main hub and there's just 500,000 people there. Yeah, and they're all standing in, inside of right. each other, and it's impossible to see what's going on. There's all the name tags. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that WoW did that, because they solved a big problem, and then they translated that into to Battlegrounds, where instead of Battlegrounds just being players on your own server, they pulled from all the servers. And so now it doesn't matter if there's only if there's a huge population you know disparity, because we'll just pull players from somewhere else to fill the queue. Right. Um, so it dramatically decreased a lot of those problems. The problem that it brought, though, is that you can't choose who any of those people are. So if you and I are on the same server and we're in the same zone, I can add you to my friends list and I can ping you and we can play together and whatever. But if it's phasing, you're from a different server. Now, to their credit, they actually did add eventually where you can... You can add people from different servers and you can group together and then it will phase you together. Right, so but it's in, possible. in some of the older MMOs, there were people that may not have been on my friends list for a while until I saw them in the same, like, oh, this guy's always in the tavern at about four o'clock doing his roleplay shtick. Wonder what else right. he does. Oh, he goes raiding at five. Like right. you could, you could literally stalk a player and figure out like something about them and find a way to introduce yourself or something because you you may have had to see them two or three times before you realize like oh like this guy's always around here i want to you know play with them right exactly exactly and because the truth is is that relationships in real life or in games or whatever it, it's typically not something where you meet someone one time and now you're ready to be friends forever you know what i mean right. like there's a there's a, a period where you get to know each other i mean you and I knew each other of each other for a long time before we actually became friends, yeah. you know, cause we worked together, but it's a slow process for it to be kind of an organic thing. And it, with the phasing, I mean, yeah, you could hit it off with someone randomly and add them and whatever, but, but you have to, it's unlikely that you're going to see them over. Right. Over, you have right. to do that in that first impression space. Whereas in a, in a lot of other games, it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, Hey, I haven't, I played with you before. Like, yeah, we played yesterday. Like, Oh, okay. You were actually cool yesterday too. Like at least, I don't know about you, but for me, somebody has got to prove that they're cool multiple times before I actually believe that they're cool. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, so I don't know. So it's, it, I, my point with all of that is just to say that the way that wow changed uh, the way that an MMO feels or whatever isn't just through mechanics, you know, gameplay mechanics necessarily. It's also through things like that, which again, I think it's actually a really clever way to solve a problem that that does suck, but it does have consequences that, you know, I didn't think of. It's, it's kind of like the Diablo three auction house where when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's a really good idea. I don't want to go to some forum economy, you know, like I talked about in the last episode, but 
once we actually saw it, it's like, oh, that has all these other consequences that I didn't consider and I don't like it. Um, now, I don't think that what WoW did is <laughs> as bad as the auction house in Diablo 3, but, um, but yeah, so WoW over time really significantly changed a lot of things that were always true about MMOs. And while I think that WoW has a, a, a certain place or a special, you know, it's its own game, um, I personally find myself drawn much more to games that kind of harken back to the more old school style where, you know, it's not that I am mad if there's a dungeon finder necessarily, but I don't know if being able to fast travel all over the map anytime you want, um, just, just not, there's not really any negative consequences in wow. I mean, I guess that's probably another thing is there's just not really a failure condition. If you die, you respawn within, you know, less than a minute distance away. There's no XP loss. There's no gear loss. I think some of that too just kind of goes towards the the payment method. It's got an older school payment method. Like, I mean, I'm an outsider looking in. I know I haven't directly played, but I I've seen a lot of stuff. And I mean, sure. I, I remember like when Cataclysm launched, I kind of wanted to play because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, they destroyed the world. Like in game, yeah. they destroyed the world ev- for yeah. everyone. And I was like, that's pretty that was bold and i remember people being mad and people being excited and just all the reaction it's like that's how you do it but i i I think also that they you know we had talked before about you know wishing that things like starcraft had released later so that they could have taken advantage of the free-to-play model but i think that because wow launched so early they launched like a more traditional game and yeah, there was a payment system, but that also meant that they were going to do kind of more traditional game style things, whereas they don't have, like you said, like death penalties because they're not trying to sell, you know, greater healing potions that are real world dollars, you know, that are, are, are things that allow you to respawn closer or things that allow you to get back to your body faster or whatever, like a lot of other MMOs do. Yeah, I mean, and so that's that's actually a really interesting take because I have played very little freemium style MMOs, so I actually wouldn't have ever even considered. That's almost <laughs> exclusively my outside of right. like Guild Wars Two. All almost yeah. all of my other MMOs are freemium style MMOs because mm-hmm. generally I, I just like that I like the anime style, which means I end up in a lot of Korean style MMOs, and right. and they're almost all freemium. But they are endlessly frustrating because they have severe death mechanics where it's like to get back to your body, you have to use, you know, the teleporter from the main hub or walk there. Well, I walked there over the course of like four hours. And if I want to teleport to the nearest town, it costs three dollars of premium currency. Wow. And it's like, oh, I can go you know, trade for it if I have epic legendary gear, which I will never get because I never bought any of the premium currency, you know, whatever. Right. And that's how they get you. But but a lot of those, a lot of games have pretty harsh, at least the freemium ones have pretty harsh, like death mechanics or travel mechanics that are hand waved away by a like, oh, you can get a, you can get one teleport for 50 cents or you can get a teleport pass which is, you know, from this zone only, but it's unlimited for 10 bucks. And yeah. I never, I mean, I never put in, you know, I've, I've paid for other games, but not for freemium MMO stuff. Cause it's, it's so nickel and dimey. 
Yeah, that would that would that would frustrate me, and it would make me feel like they designed it to try and incentivize you to buy, which they probably oh, it's did it's blatantly extent. obvious. Like some games right. kind of hide it, like or do a legit job of making it to where you can play for free. Like you can be a free uh, Warframe player. You have to put in yeah. a little bit of work, but not an astronomical amount more than a normal than a paid player, right? Right. Whereas in a lot of these freemium MMOs, it is not possible to be a free player or it's all you have to have the most tenacious individuals to actually be able to be a free player and get anywhere. Right. Well, so what I think of when I think of no death penalty is actually EverQuest and Dark Age. So in Dark Age, when you die, you just lose experience and you can lose after you've died, I don't know, maybe twice or something. In a level, you lose 20% of your experience for that level each time you die. Oh, God. And it takes hours to get that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and in EverQuest, now in, in Camelot, they were actually nice enough to at least let you bottom out at the beginning of whatever level you were on. And EQ1, you could just straight up de-level <laughs> yes. from time. <laughs> yeah. So, but, and so to me, it's like more than, than the freemium bent, I think more about like, again, catering to the RPers versus again the well, call of duty or whatever you want to call it quote-unquote hardcore gamers but that right something really challenging and difficult whereas warcraft was more like if you just i guess it catered to both types of people in a way that if you just want to play through for the story you can zerg rush your way through the game without penalty where you just die and respawn and die and respawn but if you want you know a challenging experience then you can you know select things that are closer to your difficulty range and tactically get through it that way. Right. Yeah. What, um, I don't know. So the other thing that Warcraft, I mean, you know, death penalty is one thing, but it's really just that there's not a lot that can happen that has a lot of consequence. Um, there's an, an, another game that I've, I've told you about, you know, off air called project Gorgon, that is a, it's an early access MMO on steam right now. That's intentionally a throwback to like 2001 era. And it actually doesn't have a significant death penalty. However, it has things of consequence. Like if you kill a boss, like if you attack a boss creature and don't kill it, then it will permanently put a curse on you that persists through death until you kill that boss. creature. Right. So until you can get together with enough people to defeat it, you now have a permanent debuff that is just on you. Yeah, and there's no way um, to get rid of it. It's just right. Yeah, there's I, one way. There are what can, you can be. You can also be like polymorphed into like another animal or something, and it's you don't just go to somebody in town to get rid of it. You have to go find specific. You have to find somebody that knows how to get rid of it, and then find all of the items, and then fin- visit some special merchant or quest giver that unlocks the ability for you to change back. Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and wow, just doesn't, doesn't really have that. And the thing is though, is for wow, that that's, that's to be fair to it is because, you know, I'm basically painting the picture of as this very casual kind of thing now or, or accessible or whatever word you want to use. However, I will say that at the top tier of difficulty, wow's raids, which are intended to be their end game PVE content, um, they're, they're best in class. I mean, there's just not another MMO that does raids that are as demanding uh, in, in the way that WoW does. Although I will say, what, like when I went back and did the raids in the last one, and I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know if this is me just being over, overly cynical, um, but the problem that I have with 
the Diablo style games, the ARPGs these days is that it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot besides deciding where you stand. Right. And that's kind of the whole game mechanic is just like, are you standing in the right place? And that's kind of what WoW raids feel like to me, again, when I was doing them, you know, eight months ago or whatever, when I was playing. And it's not that it's terrible. It's just that, I don't know, that's all the tension. All of the tension is just, are you are you avoiding, you know, the five different ground effect AOE things that are happening? Right. And if if you're if you are, then you're winning. And if you're not, then you're not. That's not entirely fair. There are somewhat there there are rotations and things that players have to master, and there's some mechanical skill in that. And that's really where the tension comes from: is trying to maintain whatever rotation your character has while dancing around all of these you know hazards. Um, but just as far as the production and the you know, the looting system and the balance of it all, like they just, it's a very polished, finely tuned machine that they do. And they've had some really interesting raids. Like there was one raid boss where it was actually healer specific and there's this giant sleeping dragon and it has to be healed to wake it up. And so it's a really healer centric fight actually, which is not typically the case because the healers have to heal this dragon up while there are waves of mobs coming in that the rest of the raid is, is protecting with. them from kind of. Yeah. And the healers still have to heal their raid too. So, Oh yeah, no, that a, makes sense. You've got to focus, you split your healing right. damage, but <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. no, that's, that's so, cool. That's interesting. I mean, like we've said with a lot of the things, I mean, there's a lot of the blizzard polish, I wouldn't call it yeah. the Blizzard Touch because it, it really is their polish. It's their their yeah. step extra that they take, and I think that 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 does come through. I mean, it, once again, it's comes down for me. One of the things that almost always draws me in every time is their movies. Like yeah. I, I sat down a few weeks ago, actually about a month ago now, and and watched all of the Wow cutscenes in one. Mm one like youtube video basically that mm -hmm. was like almost an hour long and they yeah. are glorious like they're so good and and i almost want to play for the story like i've always kind of wanted to play wow for the story i just don't want anybody else in the world like i don't want to have to deal with any of the mmo side of it i also mm -hmm. don't want to have to buy all of the expansions <laughs> i don't want to i'm not in to spend 300 dollars on a game anymore <laughs> like well to be fair to it if you are so interested, you actually don't have to buy all the expansions. You just buy the latest version and they give you everything else. Before okay. It. Okay. Um, you also can earn enough gold in game to buy a monthly sub, although that wouldn't be possible until the end game. Right. So that wouldn't really cater to the I story. I mean, I point. could, it's not like I'm broke or anything. I could sure. probably get through it, but it's, it's always it, at the same point in time, it is also still at its heart, very much so an MMO. In fact, most MMOs have, tried to imitate them that's they have and that's you know earlier i mentioned the warhammer memo i mean when that came out so that game the warhammer memo was made by the same development team that made dark age of camelot okay so we thought it was going to be dark age of camelot 2 with this warhammer theme right which would be great and we were like yeah we're like awesome love it so excited about this and unfortunately what it turned into was really more of them trying to emulate wow and and failing and not really like blizzard understands what makes the game work and they understand that yeah they might simplify some things but 
in the end, the, the core of the game is still kind of there. And Warhammer just totally well, missed the mark. You, you can't compete with somebody who's entrenched in their game, right? Like, right. It, to me, since WoW, no other MMO has really done no. that since then. And I don't know that they ever nope. will. However, I don't either. You have essentially an MM, an instance-based MMO that comes out and builds its own genre and becomes bigger than or as big as equivalent to WoW overnight with something like PUBG, where I mean that's hmm. it's not an MMO, it's not an it's not an hmm. MMORPG, right? But it is a hundred people in an instance, and it is yeah. It is. It's its own new technology. It's its own thing, and now you can compete. Now, because you, you have to be that different, you have to go that far out of the idea of what an MMO is. And I'm sure somebody will come up with some kind of multiplayer RPG system that won't even. You won't think of it as an MMO. You'll. It'll call. Think- it'll define a new name because the genre will be so different. I mean, I think that we've seen that now, actually, and and that is Destiny, The Division, Warframe, Anthem, yep, Warframe. Those games are a half step between like a Borderlands, which is, you know, you talk about like a looter shooter. Well, Borderlands is that, but Borderlands is designed as a single player experience that you can play co-op, but if you play co-op, it's still the exact same yeah, game. Yeah, and it still feels like it's single. It feels weird when the storyline talks about one person and there's two in the party. Right. Whereas Destiny, Warframe, those titles, they're in the MMO space, but they don't, you know, you don't, you only play with a handful of people at a time. And, you know, like the raids in Destiny 2, for example, it's six people. Right. You know? It's not in WoW. I mean, in, in classic WoW, it's forty man people. In Dark Age, there was no limit on on how many people could join a raid. Well, and they're starting which... to do like open world content in like Warframe, mm-hmm. where you can see That's a true. bunch of people in an area. Well, and I mean, Destiny and the Division have open world content. The difference is, is that it's actually very similar to what I've described with WoW. And I don't, I don't know if it's the same technology. It very well may be. But it's kind of like phasing, like in in Destiny and Division and Warframe, you don't choose a server, right. you just make you just a character, and it just puts you in a place and you see some other people, but you have no indication as to how many people there might be, why those people are chosen. It's all done outside of the player's purview. Um, well, and, and whereas in oh no, go, go ahead, no, go ahead. I was just going to say in, in a game like WoW, which again pre-phasing at least, or most other MMOs you're generally seeing the people that are on your server in an open world. Um, and you're, you're not interacting with just Everyone. absolutely anybody. Right. right. And you at the very least have a home server. So um, wh- one of the things that I, that I, you know, I'm just kind of to hop back real briefly on like the, the changing yeah. MMO landscape is that uh, in Warframe and their open world content, you can stumble across a raid in progress. In, in their open world stuff, there's to, to kind of summon a raid boss, you've got to go through these certain steps, and people will group up to do that. Um, but it, it will be one of those things where, like, if a group of players has already summoned the raid boss, you can, like, stumble into it or run past it and be like, oh, holy crap, here's this 80-foot boss that a bunch of people are fighting, and I'm dead because I don't know what I'm doing or that it was even there. 
And I, right. I think some of that stuff is that that more kind of emergent gameplay where the raid is a part of the world. I think that's a good, like you said, it's a step and a half or, or a half step yeah. that way. Agreed. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I had a couple other, or, or at least a, a question or two. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be whatever. It, it, as you were kind of mentioning that you had a few buddies that you kind of got, that got you into WoW and like like one or two people did you generally stick with like your local friend group when you played or did you, I mean, you played for a pretty long time. So I assume you got into like a guild or something, but did you find yourself playing more with local friends or did you get into meeting people from all around the world and kind of playing with, you know, more external groups? So I have a really um, (laughs) strange answer to that. It's both. I mean, the, the primary people that I played with were always my, my local group of friends. Um, and if I didn't have a local group of friends playing, it was hard for me to stay engaged. That's usually what kind of determined if I was going to stay playing a game or not was who else was, was going to be in it. That being said, like in dark age, I joined a guild when I got, when I played the game in a very hardcore kind of way and was in vent with people often, um, and Ventrilo, the voice server or whatever. And then in uh warcraft same thing joined a guild and in that there was actually a couple um this man and woman that we played with and i remember the guy played um played in the day all the time which i did also but that's because i was a line cook at night who worked at night generally right so i was on in in the morning in the afternoon well he would be on then too and i was like what do you do for a living that allows you to do this and he was like oh I'm a security architect for a software firm and I work from home. So <laughs> I, I can just kind of be online. And I was like, that's so crazy. I can't imagine what that would be like. And, you know, now I have a position where I can work from home. <laughs> um, although I will say I still, I've never been in really inclined to try and play a game. Like he would, I mean, he would just straight up play. Now there were times where he would just abruptly have to leave. Right. But I actually don't really find myself playing games that intently while if I'm working from home. And I'm I'm not saying that because I'm talking about my job or on the air or something, but just because I don't want that interruption. Like, right. You want to get if, it, I if had, I'm engrossed in a game. I mean, I'm I'm in a similar yeah. spot where, you know, I've got quite a bit of open time that in flexible schedule where but yeah, if I'm if I'm immersed, I don't want an email to bring me out of that. I want to just mute everything and put on the headphones and just dive in. Right. Um, and like there was another dude who who I'll 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 give his 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 wow name was Nanaki. Uh <laughs> and he's I don't know, maybe three or four years younger than than I am. I don't know exactly his age, but we actually and we what's crazy is we didn't even play with this dude that long. And we became like Facebook friends and I, I to this day I follow him on Instagram. He listens to my other show, the Walk Show Podcast. I will tell him about this and I would be surprised if he didn't listen to this series um, of, of bot, this you know podcast as right. well. So he's an example of someone that I kind of maintained a relationship with for a long time. That couple that I was talking about with the dude work from home, the wife of that couple and I are friends on Facebook and we don't interact, you know, all the time or something. We've never actually met. Um, but there's, you know, some semblance of a relationship, but in dark age, like the people I played with there, and I feel bad about it now. I mean, I, you know, I can chalk it up to, I was a kid, but I mean, we, we played together for hours a day for months on end. 
And one day I logged into Dark Age and I was like, I can never play this again. And I don't know what came over me. I just was burned out. And I I logged off and I, I never played again until a few months ago when we played on a private server. And yeah, I just straight ghosted those people. And it wasn't personal and it wasn't, I mean, they were very generous with me with their time and their knowledge of the game and helping me. Um, and it, I mean, really, it was kind of a shameful move on my part, but I, I don't know, like I've had a hard, the reason I say that the answer is going to be strange is because I've for a long time, and I think it's just because of the, the, the era and the way that I was introduced to the internet, like it's hard for me to see online people as the real people that they are behind the keyboard, you know, I get that. And so it's, and, and it, it's very weird now because now in today's social media age where, and not just Facebook where it's real names, but Twitter, Reddit, right. you know, Instagram, people have usernames still. And, and yet everyone definitely sees these as these real connections. Well, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're also not super role play either. So like, whereas I may not have always seen somebody as the real person that they were, but I would see them as the character they portrayed. So yes and no, actually, when we played Dark Age, we actually only played on role-playing oh, really? servers. But the reason for that was because the the player base just took the game more seriously insofar as, not maybe not from a mechanical standpoint, but... You know, I, I remember one of our one of the first people we saw in, in Dark Age that at least its name stands out to me was a guy in Dark Age. You could have a first name and then once you hit level 10, you could set a last okay. name. And so this guy's name was Jared. And then and this was before everyone knew he was a pedophile. And his last name was from Subway. Oh. Right. And so it was like a clever like, oh, it's Jared from Subway. But it was like, I don't want to see that. Like, I don't want right, to see the paladin right. named Jared from Subway. I want him to have. I want him to be named Arthas mm-hmm. or some stupid name, you know? Um, and so we liked that role-playing servers offered people who generally used role-playing appropriate names. Right. And the thing is, is that people didn't really role-play like in really campy, cheesy ways. Like if someone was a dwarf, they didn't constantly comment on the fact that they were shorter than you well, or something. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? But it really, really what it boiled down to was the role-playing community generally just talked about the game in the game world so right like it wasn't that you have to start sentences with the and no, thou no, or but something like stupid. i i think that you know if i would like to partake on a quest to go after the, the great worm which is like a raid boss or whatever like i guys i think we should go fight the great worm is a way to that is just as role play as in comparison to lfg great worm yeah, well, and the thing is, is that there even was still LFG Great Worm, but what there wasn't was, hey, did you guys see the new Avengers Fair. movie? Fair, okay. Hey, what do you guys think? So it, it wasn't really that there was no video game language, because that was still all present, or shorthand or whatever. It was more that they're just, every largely, the conversation that was being talked about was something to do with the That's game fair. world. That's fair. Um, and so to me, that was an appropriate role-playing experience. But when I went to WoW... I had the same sentiment. So I joined a role-playing server and that wasn't, it was not the case that people treated it that same way. And, and people who did try and stick to role-playing or at least stick to being in the world were actually harassed by other players a lot and called, you know, different derogatory names (laughs) that I actually don't feel comfortable (laughs) saying now, but RP noob or something we'll say. And, and, 
And I was really baffled because it's like, but this is a role-playing server and it is a role-playing. I mean, we're all elves right now. Like, what are you talking right. about? You know? But hmm. mm-hmm. that's weird. So any, so yeah, I don't know. This is a very long winded answer. No, no, that, that, I think that's, that's perfect. I mean, I, I don't have a whole, like, unfortunately I just don't like kind of like you in Warcraft. I don't have a lot of stories that relate to, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, I have, I have, you know, a roommate that played pretty extensively who was always wanting to show me his new sword. And, and, you know, I've, I've been around people. I, I, you know, we have a mutual friend uh, that lives up in North Carolina now that, you know, he and I talk Mm. about his, his adventures with WoW. He plays with his brother and a couple other people in his guild and talks about raids and stuff. Like I can speak the lingo and, and I enjoy hearing about the game. Like I won't sit down and, and, you know, gossip about WoW news for extended periods of time. But I, I enjoy hearing, you know, people's adventures in it, hearing that they got new pieces of raid gear or enjoying the new content or whatever. And I and I, I think it's, you know, it's neat. And but the only other real connection that I that I really have to WoW is I, I don't know. I think what spawned it was I had the roommate that played so much who tried so hard to get me to play because mm. that was the only thing that he there was the only game that he played. And I played a pretty varied you know, number of games. And it was mm-hmm. like, he would drink heavily and go to parties and then he would come home and play well. And those are the two things that he mm-hmm. did. And so if I, I could, you know, maybe not drink heavily, but go to parties with him and then I wouldn't play well. So it was kind of a, a weird r- roommate relationship. And eventually what happened is, is I had gotten pretty bored one day at work and, and I've always been into parody music, like weird Al for life since I was a little kid. Right. And, Mm-hmm. And I don't remember how it hit me. I think I was talking to another friend who she was like way against, like she'd play video games, but she was more kind of a casual Nintendo games like Mario Kart and stuff, more just fun party games and really mm-hmm. disliked people that were like MMO players and just, you know, spending all of that time in there. And I think we had had a conversation or something and it, it came to light where, or, you know, we're just joking around and and somehow the conversation ended on um uh but but then i got high the song um oh, and right. afro, man. afro man there we go thank you i was trying to remember it. and um we had talked about we were talking about afro man and and but then i got high and talking about other things that happened that but then you did whatever right and i was like yeah well my roommate it would be but then i played wow and mm-hmm. she just busted up laughing. And so, of course, to like continue to get, you know, roll, keep the laughter rolling, I tried, you know, my best to kind of throw some stuff at it and ended up going home and writing a complete lyric sheet from beginning to end on like, <laughs> like what, ha- and it like went through like at first it was like no big deal. And by the end, he smells like the Lich King's wrath and like, it, it's mm-hmm. bad. It has really bad lyrics. I never actually recorded it and the lyrics are the most pure cringe ever but i did do it and that's that's probably as close as i've gotten to kind of immersing myself in the wow community is really just making fun of them but well, it sounds like we should have it featured at the end of this <laughs> we episode. might have to, i'll have to dig it up again i have to it, it does exist somewhere I, I am not ashamed to share it i will completely oh. forewarn the ultimate cringe that it is i'm glad that i never recorded it because in the same shameless act i would just post that recording um Mm -hmm. but i have not recorded it and i probably won't ever record it somebody else can record it as long as they credit me as the author and uh, i will read it and give you credit (laughs) if you'd like you have to you have to put the afro man music behind it and sing it though 
I think I'll just read it like a like a <laughs> slam poem. Like know? okay, bet. <laughs> Bonus episode. Host Walker Near reads my rendition of "But Then I Got High" as slam poetry. <laughs> That'll be good. Um, so be on the lookout. Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep your seatbelts fastened. Uh, but yeah, so. One other thing that I, and I know we've been talking about WoW for a while now, but there is one one thing that I have to to shout out, and that is that the thing that WoW gave me that is my single favorite thing in any MMO ever is a a class, and it's the Druid. And I know you love the Druid in Diablo 2. And in Um, D&D. Big Druid. Oh, okay. I'm also a big fan of the actual Druids of ancient history, but... So I had never wasn't really familiar with them in in Dark Age of Camelot. There is a druid class, but it's basically like a cleric, just like a healer. Um, it's it's got nature themed spells, but it's you know it it doesn't shape shift right. or anything. And in I'd played the druid in Diablo two, so you know shape shifting to the werewolf or whatever I was familiar with. Um, but in in WoW, the druid turns into a cheetah for run speed, so you can run around faster. It turns into a bear so you can tank. It turns into a cat so you can play a rogue and go stealth and DPS. It turns into uh, a moonkin so that you can be a caster. turns into a tree so you can be a healer. Once Burning Crusade came out, it turns into a bird so you can fly. Um, Much more closer to the D&D druid that could just wild shape into any animal equal to its level. Yeah, and it, it it was it's just so cool. Like, there's just nothing, there's no other game that I've ever played. And again, I've tried you know thirty MMOs that offers that that kind of of stuff. I mean, like we talked about Gorgon earlier, where you Project Gorgon, where you can you know be shaped into like a pig or something. But in WoW, you're you're constantly in and out. You don't have to go. It's not a right. quest. You know yeah, what I mean? It's an ability. It's just your character, right? And so, like, when Flying Mode came out, I mean, I remember... So, Flight came out for all of the characters, but most of the characters had to go and grind and get a flying mount and the flying skill or whatever. Well, with the Druid, you could just unlock the flying skill, and then you could just turn into a bird and fly. And so, there's just a lot of really neat little advantages from that. Like, one time, I played on a PvP server always, and so one time I remember I was out, you know, farming or whatever and and ran into some guys... And they start chasing me. And so we're all on mounts, but our mounts are all the same speed. And so they're chasing me across this landscape. Well, I have bird form. And so I just find a really steep cliff and just run to the cliff and then just jump off (laughs) Thelma and Louise style. (laughs) And then midair dismount and turn into a bird and just fly away. And they can't keep up. I mean, even if they have flying mounts, they have to dismount their mount, then summon their flying mount on the ground. Then, you know what I mean? Like you're already a mile ahead by that point. Yeah, they just can't keep up. Or like if you're in the water, because most characters have to, again, cast them out. You know, it's like a second and a half cast time. They have to be standing on solid ground in order to cast that spell. Well, with a druid, you can be in water and you can just jump. And so then in in that little frame where you're out of the water, you can press the mount button. Yep, turn into a bird, fly away. Um, When you gather stuff, other people have to fly to the node, dismount, you know, mine the node or gather the herbs or whatever, and then remount and fly away with the druid. You can just hover down at the ground level 
as a bird and still do the harvesting and then just fly right back away. So just a lot of really neat little things. I don't know how many hours I spent, <laughs> which is, I understand weird, but <laughs> in the, in the burning crusade expansion, the capital city was called Shatrath or I don't know how you say it, something like that city. And it's basically got this, this building in the center. That's like the, the city center or whatever. And then in the middle of it, it has this, this kind of spire. And then out of the top of the spire is this giant beam of light. And so I would spend countless time going into the center of the building, turning into a bird and then flying up out of the beam of light and then rotating my camera to like take different screenshots of myself, like emerging from the light at different angles That's or whatever. Awesome. Like I, th I thought it was so, I mean, cool that is something to just fly around. I definitely have to give. Wow. Is that again, those little pieces that almost have drawn me in. I think at this point, it's just like, it's not, it's past point of pride. And it's just like, I'm, I'm not going to be that person that I don't have the time to invest in experiencing wow anymore. Like, because mm -hmm. in the way that I would have wanted to experience it would have been, you know, ground floor. And I, I think if I would have, I probably would have been on a very different life path. But well, you've got the opportunity in August when WoW Classic. That's comes true. Out. I was I was and actually going to ask you a little bit about that, but it really, yeah. the, you know, point before that was just like the terrain in that game. Like once once I was able to, you know, again, like difference between. 18 year old me and now or 16 year old me and now is now I, I can appreciate art styles a lot more and especially mm -hmm. with games like torchlight that kind of also use mm -hmm. that more cartoony style but mm -hmm. and also you know because i i think i was with you in in the camp of when wow came out i was against steampunk I was like, get that mm. out of my fantasy i think when warcraft 3 came out i had become a sci-fi nerd and was part of the reason why I didn't like Warcraft was like, now I'm now I want tanks and spaceships, you know, uh, and okay. and so, you know, now I am a huge lover of steampunk. I run a D&D &D game in the steampunk world and and, you know, love Torchlight and stuff like that. And and now going back and looking at all of this, you know, wow, you know, screenshots, in-game screenshots and stuff and seeing the landscapes and the really detailed like gear worlds and you know flying cities and so all the different realms and visual places it is it is a very intense game there is a lot of detail in it it's just in an art style that when it was released i was very much so against i was very much so like we are in an age where crisis is destroying computers literally physically on fire and you're giving me 10 polygons like yeah. that was what that was the world of the launch of wow you know yeah and and so i was pushing for i was that graphics nerd when wow was coming out and now i'm much more accepting of like it doesn't matter how like west of loathing is is stick figures and is an amazing game but you know so i'm i've gotten over that hump it's just safe to say. right but I, right. I have always kind of wanted to go back and like, there's a lot of cool inspirational art stuff in WoW that I would love to, you know, kind of go through. Dude, I mean, there's just some cool moments. Like there in, in again, in Burning Crusade, um, there's a zone called Nagrand that's like a big rolling plains kind of zone, but it has these floating islands all over the place in it. And so a lot of those islands are only accessible being flying via flying mount. So <laughs> me and this one time me and this, uh, I was a horde player. And so this Alliance player, like we were max level and, and, and we kind of saw each other. And so we, one of us, I don't remember who, but one of us emoted the other one, like a, like a beckon emote, like follow right. me. And so we flew up to one of these flying islands 
where uh, where there's no way to get there except the flying mounts. So we have our little duel, and I, I believe I won, but whatever. The, the the thing was was that it was actually a lot higher stakes than normal for for WoW, where there's no death penalty because. At that time in WoW, the only way to get back to your body is basically in like the ghost form. Like when you die, oh, you're a spirit you and you have to fly. run back to your body. Right. Now, in modern WoW, they have areas where you have a flying ghost right. so you can get there. But yeah, you couldn't get there. So you actually had to res at the ghost, which means you had a 15-minute debuff where your like stats are reduced by 75%. Uh-huh. Which is, you know, it's rare that you would take that debuff because you can always get right. to your body. But it was like this really cool, intense kind of huh. battle where there was actually a little bit of a stake That's to awesome. it. Um, or I remember in classic WoW where again, the pre max level game still mattered more and I was in my forties and I'm a Druid. And so, and, and the WoW in WoW, there are, are especially early in WoW race specific mounts were a pretty big deal. Uh, now there's countless mounts, so who knows, but, but back then it was largely race specific. And so I'm a, I'm a Druid riding by on my, I was a Tarin riding by on the Kodo, which is kind of like a rhinoceros type thing. And I'm on this, this like forest path. That's like a pretty narrow path. That's got tree lines on either side of it. And it's in between these two zones. And so I'm, I'm riding on this path. Well, opposite direction from me comes a night elf druid. That's in a, uh, within a level or two of me. And he's on his like white, you know, Panther Mount or whatever tiger Mount. And so we both just look the part perfectly and we both pass each other. And within like one foot of getting past each other, we both just dismounted to try and gank the other one (laughs) and then have this like super crazy epic druid fight in this really pristine forest scene where there's this tree kind of a a, crushing dagger hidden dragon moment yes exactly exactly And and it was just it was just so cool like and it's moments like that that i just absolutely loved um and from a gameplay mechanic standpoint you know in in dark age i largely played a stealther class like a rogue well, in WoW, because with the Druid, you can go to cat form and, and stealth, but you're not, especially in classic WoW, you're not limited in your specialization, like your right. talent picks as much. So you could mix and match where you might be mostly actually a caster and a healer, but you still have access to cat form and stealth. So you can you can hang out in stealth and then unstealth and start healing people. Ah, like a healer okay. rogue, That's you know, cool. or... or yeah, exactly. So there's just all these neat things that you could do with it that I honestly hadn't seen prior to that and, and really can't say that I've seen since then. I mean, not that other games don't have similar mechanics to WoW, well, but I've never played a class with like the a breadth of mechanics available mm-hmm. in 15 plus years of mm-hmm. content. You can't you can't match all of it. And that's what a lot of people do is they try and the same thing, you know, kind of you briefly mentioned not to get too much into news, but like Anthem or Destiny compared to Warframe, Warframe's got 10 years of content. You're not going to launch yeah. with 10 years of content unless you spend yeah. 10 years of money. And that's, you'd have to have a ridiculous corporation <laughs> to do that more than any of the ones that are out there. But, you know, same, right. same for WoW. And, and, but, but kind of speaking on uh, the, the vanilla WoW, the classic WoW, do you think you're going to try out classic wow server when that comes out or, or what are your thoughts on that, on them bringing that back? Um, so yes, I am going to try it uh, probably at launch. Um, my thoughts on it are that it's, it's interesting. It's both more and less interesting (laughs) than it seems on its face. And what I mean by that is that 
it seems really interesting because at least to me, because they're, they're literally just being like, and this was the most successful game of all time. Let's just do it again. You know? And it's like the, the audacity of that is crazy. Um, but it's less interesting because they're not actually the first game that did that. I mean, EverQuest one has had what they call progression servers for a long time where the server starts and it starts in vanilla EQ one. And then when either the population hits certain milestones or whether it's a time frame, I don't, I don't exactly know, but basically it's some interval, the second expansion or the, you know, the next expansion unlocks. And then it just continues to do that until it gets to, you know, catches back up to the modern game. Um, the difference is, is that EverQuest doesn't market that heavily. I mean, I don't know how you would find out about it because I don't see EverQuest ads ever. Um, <laughs> right. Whereas WoW is this giant machine that has infinite marketing and, you know, Activision Blizzard is probably the biggest publisher out there. And so it's like, it seems more profound than it is simply because of the messaging around it. If that yeah. makes sense. Well, and, and I mean, again, it was a largely in response to the number of, quote unquote, like pirated free classic mm-hmm. servers. So, I mean, it, it's a smart move on from a company's mm-hmm. perspective, but I didn't know if it would draw back in, you know, players like you that played there in classic and had a lot of your fondest memories in classic, if that would be something that would bring you back in. And, and if you just kind of, do you think that it'll retain you in the, in the same way? Or do you think like with a lot of other games that you played more recently that it may keep your attention for like a month and then, you know, the nostalgia is gone and you'll move on. I'm interested to see. The thing is that that's interesting is that, I mean, I just did it a little bit in the comparison I gave. People are acting like WoW Classic is like going and playing EQ1, and it's not. I mean, even WoW Classic was felt like an on-rails experience compared to Dark Age and compared to EverQuest or Ultima Online right. or, you know, a lot of old old games that I'm, you know, kind of glossing over, Star Wars Galaxies. Um it, but it's it's interesting because it's also just, you know, it's like I told you that story earlier at the beginning of this recording about how there's a dude that I was like, did you ever dial into someone's computer? And he's like, I don't know about that because he's had cable modem for right. as long as he can remember, you know, or DSL, whatever, broadband. Um, for a lot of people, WoW was their first MMO. And so classic WoW to them is eq1 and in fairness compared to modern wow it, it's a lot you know it's it's a lot more it's a lot more hardcore but it's still it, you know it's still there's a guy with a question mark over his head and you do what he says and then you they tell you to go to the next area where there's more question marks and you well, know yeah I mean? and like, i mean in the same semblance that eq1 is you know kind of the precursor to wow there's plenty of people who have played wow and don't know anything about the tides of darkness you know, from Warcraft too. like, so, you know, it's all relative, but, and I agree that there is, you know, when you start is when you start. I mean, there are people today that are, you know, oh, have you ever had your, you know, cable drop out and your, your cable modem get cut because somebody's working on a line or something. And in a, in some number of years when satellite internet is the thing, there's people going to be like, what do you mean your internet cut out? Like, the internet's always right. there. Like what, you know, you don't lose it. Like, <laughs> right. 
Well, I mean, just yeah. Imagine trying to explain call waiting as a feature that you had to pay for. <laughs> what? Like, what's a busy well, signal? It, even know? God, getting getting off topic, but but like paying yeah. for mi- minutes past nine p.m. Like, call me after nine because that's when it's free. Yeah. Because long distance, yeah, long distance is yeah. still one of those things. Even when I had early cell phone time, I'm like, Mom, just get a cell phone. You don't have to worry about long distance. Like, just you're done. Yeah. Uh, games change, man. But yeah, so. But so with classic WoW, I'm it. I you know, as far as do I think I'll stick with it for a long time or not? It probably depends on you know the other people that I play with. And or if you get the group back together, get the boys back together, put on Um, your leather jackets. Well, that's the thing. Almost no one that I played with back in the day will be playing classic WoW. It'll all be newer people that I've you know met since then. Uh, which you're welcome to join us uh, and, and play if you, you know, want to give it a whirl. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens in August. <laughs> but I, I would break yeah, it. At no this pressure. point also, it's like breaking a streak. It's like, I've got one of the longest running streaks that you can physically yeah. have. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I've openly hated on the Marvel movies for years now and, and uh, have just recently started going back and, and watching them again. And I can't say that I love them, but... I don't know. They're all right. I mean, they're not as, it's not as horrible as I thought it was. At the same token, there's like an end to the Marvel movies. What (laughs) if I do get hooked and I go through the thing that I hated seeing so many friends go through? Like I lost several friends to not just WoW, but other MMO games that they, they vanished off the face of the earth. And I just don't want to be that. And of course, because I'm self-conscious of it, I probably wouldn't, but like, yeah, I don't it's think like, so. It's like, what if I really like Heroin Walker? Like, what if I love it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So the thing is, is that on the one hand, I think that, and again, since I've discovered within myself that I, I kind of have a, a desire to play these older t- style of games, I'm looking forward to WoW Classic, even though it's not EQ or, or Dark Age, it still is a, a different era. Um but I wonder, actually, and I, I actually wonder how long it will hold the population that, that quote-unquote demanded it. Right. Because now I know there were a lot of people on private servers. However, those servers were largely free. Uh, this is $15 a month. It's just your standard WoW sub. And to be, I mean, to Blizzard's credit, if you pay the 15 you can play Modern WoW also. You don't have to pay a separate sub. Right. So that's good. Um, but it's a monthly fee. And... I think that people's nostalgia is more powerful than they think it's, it is. That's very true. And there's a lot of people, there have already been reports of people kind of beta testing the classic WoW server, reporting bugs that are actually just the way the game used to play. Correct. And I thought that yep, was I've seen that as well. <laughs> right. Well, and that's just it is like people just, you know, and, and what Blizzard is doing, they're doing it, they're, they're approaching it intelligently. The the game, the last patch the game had before Burning Crusade was like 1.12 or something. Right. And that's the version that they're releasing it at as far as the way that abilities work, the way that all the balance is. But as far as content, they're still starting at the very beginning. So even though, you know, 1.12 actually was like the sixth or seventh rate or whatever in classic, from a mechanic standpoint, that's where the game is. But the game's only releasing with the first raid, and then over time will unlock Well, and that's one of the worries is that a lot of the free servers did a lot of things to patch actual bugs out of the game. And Mm -hmm. that 
Blizzard may not do that, that they'll be releasing just with all of the old bugs included is kind of a concern. Right. Well, and I've heard, I've seen some people speculating too, like, well, I guess in two years they'll release Burning Crusade. <laughs> and it's like, are they really just going to run it back the whole, the whole timeline, way? Just, just another, recreate, another 15 yeah. years? <laughs> And what does that mean if they like if they succeed at that? Oh what my is, God. I don't know what that means. Then we just in yeah. then that's a glitch in the matrix and we're in an endless right. like <laughs> yes. it's groundhog day <laughs> on the scale of fifteen years. Yeah. So well, um I, we obviously we covered the Warcraft RTSs, which I had no experience with, but you yeah. had a lot of really good insight with. Um and then wow, I can and it, it you know, I will apologize a bit. I can talk about mmos no you have some awesome stories in there and that's some of the i mean there's a lot of that stuff that i mean we've talked you know in in the past about dark age some here and there but you know specifically Mm -hmm. some of your wow insights like i i had no idea you you would really like playing a druid in D &D, I i gotta tell you (laughs) (laughs) yeah except that i i have such a limited imagination so i need to see the bird flying out of the beam of light not imagine i can describe it to you really well (laughs) okay maybe someday you're a good artist too so maybe you can maybe you'll draw me some photos i mean i do actually so when again off topic but when i run i (laughs) i've got a folder full of thousands of pictures that i've like subfoldered into certain places and when i bring up certain things like you meet this character i've got i run with a tablet next to me and i'll pull that image up on my tablet and show them and i'll be like they look like this but they're red instead of blue or whatever for like their Mm. clothes or like the monster looks like this and i'll show an image like on my tablet to help kind of also bring into the scene you know i'll describe a lot of stuff verbally but if i can use images to help portray stuff i do yeah that's fair i uh so just for I'm sure most people listening are, are aware, but in case you're not, if you want to ever check out World of Warcraft, or excuse me, not World, just Warcraft 1 and 2, the RTSs, they're actually on sale as a bundle, um, and I don't mean on sale as a discount, just they're available on good old games, um, so you can get them there, and then Warcraft 3 is being remastered and is on the Blizzard launcher. I actually plan on trying it just because I'd never had played it, and I've played so much WoW, it'd be kind of interesting to see what the precursor right. of that was. Um and then obviously, yeah, WoW is still up and around with classic. I don't think out, I would so mind still... Warcraft three as much anymore, especially now that I have played so many MOBAs that you know the QWER weapon or hero abilities are second nature now. I think I could mm. probably go back and actually. I think one of my frustrations was that I couldn't micro. I was a very macro mm. player. That's because like, I mean, Command and Conquer is all macro. You just box units and send them off. And and right. Warcraft three was very micro intense with the hero, and I couldn't do it. But now I think I could pull that off, and I think it may be fun. So, yeah, I I would say we'll have to do an episode about RTSs. But just suffice to say, I I, I think that might be the most succinct way that you've ever positioned a conversation we've had before about like. <laughs> how we thought RTSs were played until we played Starcraft online. <laughs> yep. And then you, and it, and it's basically what you just said. It's like when you haven't played online against other people, it can just be a macro game. And you're like, Ooh, look at me build my little city and my little army or whatever. And when you play online, it's like, I'm killing you with the yep. workers that you start the game with right now. Like, huh? I hate this. <laughs> I'm done. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun uh, discussing yeah. this. Uh, so thank you for, for, for doing this for with sure me. and we'll uh and, we'll uh, save hearthstone for uh another episode where we will kind of put that in with some of the other 
other IPs because yeah. although it is Warcraft I, related, it's so different. I mean, granted, WoW is so different from you know Warcraft one, two, and three, but there's there's a thread of similarity there where I think Hearthstone goes in a really different direction. So I think we'll we'll save that for yeah. Episode. I guess that's fair that that Hearthstone is a Warcraft you know, a Warcraft based IP, but I don't think of it as that, even though that's one hundred percent what it is. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, we we will be doing another episode on the other Blizzard IPs that we haven't covered yet, kind of more bundled, the more modern ones. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, it's been pick up your sticks uh, again. This was the Warcraft episode. Thanks so much for listening. Have Take a good care. one. NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.